Welcome to the Football Ramble, everybody. There's been low-key celebrations on the streets of Midtjylland and Sergio Aguero's back in the goals. It's Thursday, the 10th of December. I'm Kate Mason. I'm Luke Moore. And I'm Venetian Hunter-Raja. To say, I've got a good feeling about this one. I like Luke more when he's like this. Anyway, before we get onto that, we've got to tell you all about another brand new, excellent episode of the Between the Lines podcast released yesterday. Um, it covers the subject of head injuries in the context of, of course, Raul Jimenez now out of hospital, which is great news after that horrific head injury um, against Arsenal a week and a half ago. Doctors say he will be fit and well to play again, which is amazing news. And Melissa has spoken to... Ryan Mason, who, if you remember, back in 2017 had that a similar experience, but but he was less lucky uh, that clash of heads against Chelsea, wasn't it, with um, Gary Cahill? And in this episode, he talks to Melissa Reddy about that experience, what he feels about how football has failed to keep up with the science around head injuries. Melissa's also speaking to Dr. Willie Stewart, who first proved football's link with dementia. It's a really great listen. I learned a lot from it. Um, and I promise you will as well. Just head over to Between the Lines with Melissa Reddy, wherever you get your pods, have a listen and hit subscribe. Mm, Fish. Yeah, how you doing? Good to see you. Oh, nice to see you too. Good to see you, Vish. Yeah, you're kind of weirdly pumped up for little this. Meltdown about the, <laughs> little meltdown about the level of your chair earlier, but we're, we're here now. You're just really chipper today. I'm not excited. I'm not going to give the same reason I gave before we started recording, <laughs> but, but I think something is up. I went to make you a coffee and I made Kate a tea. That's I made it. myself a tea. I'm just in a good mood. It's another great day. Um, yeah, we all got our health. We're very happy to be here. That's all it is. We have all got our health. Fish was a little... Despite the damn football last night, which was abysmal. Fish was a little bit disgruntled because of the chair height, though. And what, what, we should, what we should say about it is that the chair is... It's not you that's at fault. It's the chair that's no, at the fault. The chair is a regulation chair. If it's feet, a big chair. If the feet are um, dangling, that doesn't... Look like Baby Yoda in this chair. It's too <laughs> big a chair. <laughs> that's the, it, it, who's um, who's uh, Jules's Baby Yoda? Oh, Tarek Tarek Lamptey, Lamptey, yeah. <laughs> oh. What's happened, Kate? I'll tell you what's happened, and I'll tell the listeners what's happened. Vish is the most celebrated heel in Luke's game entertainment <laughs> history. He's currently the lineal champion. He was chipping off last week on Twitter. Very I, chipping. I, I chipping went, chipping. wasn't chipping off, chipping on, if anything. I went back to him and said that he can't see over the steering wheel of his car <gasps> and he got upset about it and all of a sudden the chair's a problem. I didn't get upset about it because I know it's not true. <laughs> And falsehoods can't hurt me. That's true, actually. Sticks yeah. and stones, baby. Sticks and stones. So, sorry, obviously, I don't want to go into this much in full. But... I think you do, actually. You've got that look in your eye that you really do. <laughs> but if, so Fish, if... do the thing about her hands. So, Fish, <laughs> if... Um... I don't do anything about her hands. <laughs> That's old material. This, this, on the other hand, is not old material, Fish. So, you're the lineal champion. Yeah. I am, yes. yeah. But, but, obviously, I... No, you lost your championship. I know, but I did. You have you have owned it. But you last have, time we been, were facing each other. Yeah. You yeah. beat him. It's true. So it's, it'll a, be it's refle- a wacky world, isn't it? It's a ref- wild world, Luke's All game. I'll say, it'll be reflected in the rankings. And one thing I should say for all the Luke's Games fans out there uh, is that Vish defends that title against people's champion Marcus Spurs tomorrow. So tune in for that. Bloody tune hell. Tune in for that. The amount of audio goodness being sent out to the people at large is amazing. Between the lines with Melissa, Luke's game, similar similar uh, <laughs> documentary pursuits. Yeah. You can all agree. Yeah, yeah. Both as weighty. Don't choose your favourite. They're both weighty. Both excellently weighty. So enjoy that tomorrow as well. Oh man, it's always as good as the little gif that Jim's now got on his phone of Jamie Redknapp saying he's fit. Yeah, exactly. It's beautiful. Jim's I mean, I'd keep that. I'd play that every opportunity. Jim's taking that. 
that to heart. Yes, it's really yeah. nice. That, actually, mm. we should be a boosting source of enthusiasm and joy. Fish, you're looking tall today, and that's all that matters. Right, <laughs> let's get into this football then, shall we? Midtjylland one, Liverpool one. I thought that was another dig. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> Your home nation one, Liverpool one. <laughs> Uh, Liverpool playing with lots of kids but they looked massive against that team Uh, Mo Salah opener within a minute makes him Liverpool's top scorer in the history of uh, the modern Champions League and also the glorious off the line clearance from Fabinho that was delicious Um, sadly El Quivin Kelleher concedes a penalty uh, with a foul on Drea but the hardest thing about all of this is pronouncing that man's name I know and uh, I've really enjoyed the way you do it. I know you got a lot of credit for it online for doing it right. Kate puts a lot of work in behind the scenes for that kind of stuff. So good, good on you. I thought this game was, it felt to me like, I'm going to take you a little bit down memory lane if I may, very, very quickly. So a good friend of mine is a fan of Wicker Wanderers. And obviously I support Portsmouth. And a few years ago, both teams were really struggling badly in League Two. And they were both fan owned. And we used to go to the game each other's home game ground to watch the game. And I went to Adams Park to watch Wickham v Portsmouth once. And it was so dull and so, I want to say dystopian, but quite, I think the word I would use for it was just bleak. It was just a bleak midweek League Two game in the winter between two bankrupt clubs. I'm not having you compare this no, well, to Midget well, Lands. Me, glorious no, let me. backdrop. And my friend and I started referring to the Portsmouth v Wickham as the death of football derby. No. Right? And <laughs> no. <laughs> and I'm not suggesting that either of these teams are at that poor level, but the, the, just the idea of an of a illustrious historic club like Liverpool going to play a dead rubber in Denmark in the middle of winter with no fans. The players aren't even going to get to see the beautiful country of Denmark and it be like that and there's a load of VAR and then they'll just travel straight back again it just made me quite sad and I wonder if anyone's with me on that Benji Matteo's not sad he, had, he was the youngest player to appear a great night for in him. the Champions League a great night for and him. Luke Moore's just pissing all over it <laughs> that, I think that made it a little bit worse actually because <laughs> I, I kind of I kind of agree with you have your debut for the one of the world's greatest clubs on the shittest night of all time. Yeah. Would you take it? And because, yes. Oh, yes, I would. Probably would. Yeah, probably would. Yeah. Uh, Denmark's lovely as well. Um, but they can't see any of it. That's the point. Yeah, true. But the um, the other part of it that I thought was a bit off was that because they played so many kids, just seeing their breath in the air as well felt a little bit Oliver Twisty. Yeah. And and it, and it to my mind, Jurgen Klopp is a little bit Fagan, isn't he? Yeah, I know <laughs> what you mean. What? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't like it. I don't yeah. like seeing young why, kids' um, breaths. Why was Clarkson wearing like cold. a little little peaked hat? Well, <laughs> little ripped trousers. Just give him a kit. Give him full gloves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, little fingerless gloves like Pete Donaldson. <laughs> Donaldson's a massive fan of the fingerless gloves, by the way. Is that he's always he's always rocking them Vespa purchase, or is he, he's going to need fingers on those gloves? I, I bought gonna, some. Yeah. I bought yeah. some quite robust fingerless gloves for, for the um, press box. for press boxes, but they're too robust, oh, so I can't just, get on the keyboard. You're so relatable, man. That's <laughs> <laughs> what the fans want to hear. With um, if you're doing broadcasting, you can just have a, a full ski mitt. Yeah, oh, holding yes. the mic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's yet another example of so, you know, us living in luxury while you yeah, laser trail true. with so, your gloves. So Michelin are a really interesting story, as we know, and you know the whole Matthew Benham ownership thing and how they've been able to achieve what they've achieved. They've also got an ex-Portsmouth player as their manager, Brian Prisk. Not a, not a Hall of Famer, I admit, but he, <laughs> he did play for Portsmouth. <laughs> and of course, I am being flippant. It was, a, 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 I guess, a, a team like Michelin, with the greatest respect, being able to play Liverpool in the Champions League group stage, regardless of... Um, the um, the situation um, is it's amazing for them to, to to pick up a point and you know great for them but you know I think it's partly because yesterday we had or the, the night before sorry we had 
some really exciting kind of Champions League action. Um, perhaps wish for you for all the wrong reasons, but that was that was kind of in microcosm. One night was for English clubs what the Champions League could be all about, and the next night was just a little bit dull. Well, I mean, only for the games involving English clubs. That's know. what I'm saying. That's literally what I just said. Though, yeah, yeah, right. Okay, <laughs> but but I would I wouldn't say that is a that is a poor reflection on. I suppose what what Liverpool or Chelsea would have got out of this week. You know, I was at the Chelsea game on Tuesday, and the fact that Billy Gilmore and and Jonan started, and the fact that you know they were able to play what Reese Williams, Neko Williams, mm. um, Kometia came on, mm. who used to be a ball boy. That's I, amazing. But I thought mm. not but, that long ago either, but, which is but, depressing. But yeah, I mean that's the depressing. Yeah, part. yeah. But the yeah. other thing I was like, oh, that reminds me of someone else's story who used to be a ball boy, and that's obviously Trent Alexander Arnold who used yeah. to be a ball yes. boy. Yes. And you realise it's not actually that amazing because they just use academy graduates. And if you're well, academy, about to say. if your academy players are really <laughs> damn good, that's yeah. going to happen. So, are, are Liverpool the only team to stumbled upon the idea that for some reason ball boys are all brilliant at football? <laughs> It's not, is it? It's the other way around. Yeah, it? yeah, exactly. Aiden yeah. <laughs> was kicking them. <laughs> they, don't even, they don't even need to have a scouting system anymore. No. They just go, yeah. you, oh, you, you're a ball boy today. Let's oh, get him on. We're a bit short. Any ball boys knocking around. <laughs> <laughs> Who's this youngster? Well, he's a paper boy. We thought, well, we've had so much luck <laughs> with the other boys. Yeah. Yeah, it's not the same. Yes, he's an excellent journalist. <laughs> That's how paper boys work. It's like a journalism academy. <laughs> yeah. That's how Vish started out, doing yeah. a paper round. It oh, is. Beautiful. The, um, the, the interesting thing I thought was the fact that having complained so much about the, the schedule, with a dead rubber they thought I'll just play all the big guns anyway yeah the greatest hits people people in Denmark need to see that yeah I enjoyed this tweet from Tom Carndorf who I don't know I just saw it on Twitter he said poor from the broadcasters forcing Liverpool to play Alexander-Arnold Fabinho Cater Jota, Salah, Firmino, <laughs> Henderson, Mane, and Robertson in this game where the result literally doesn't matter. <laughs> Bit disrespectful to the people of Richardland, of course. Surprisingly, Klopp then pivoted to VAR straight away, <laughs> didn't he? Uh, yeah, he did. Uh, so I didn't see the the so the uh, Minamino goal that was disallowed. Mm-hmm. I didn't see. He looks in, upset. Yeah, well, I'm so Sadio Mane headed it onto his own hand, basically. So did, oh. did, did he actually do that? Because I, I couldn't make out from the, the oh. two replays well, the, that I saw. Well, the broadcast... But I, I, didn't, I didn't watch it live, so... Well, the broadcast itself was quite confusing because the commentators immediately pivoted to say that it was at offside. Yes. And yeah. the, when the replay said it wasn't offside, they then said, oh, it might well be that it's a handball but they didn't really cover it that well. Right, okay. And obviously in football, everything is just opaque and yeah. you know, completely Kafkaesque, isn't it? You know, not what's happening. Because I think it's very black and white, actually. Because that f- if we've learned anything from VAR. Yeah, is that right? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It's either yes people, or no. People, people just... Klopp needs to stop moaning about it. Well, the, the first VAR decision for the penalty was... I thought that's probably the best application of VAR we've seen so far. Yeah, but I mean, that's what we should expect. <laughs> no, no, I, I know, I know, but it was but it's good to give a bit of credit. Yeah. But it was so yeah. it was so standout. I was like, why aren't they all like that? And obviously, football doesn't work that way because there are so many different, um, you know, different moments that need to be analysed by videos. But, but Fish, we are going to be in a we are, it's, it's not definite, but it's potentially a situation that we're going to find ourselves in in the medium future, where every manager and every player is going to have had some kind of difficult experience with VAR which hasn't proven itself to be quote unquote fair because yeah. and and but the authorities are going to insist on keeping it so you're going to have a, a, a sport governed in a way that none of the main protagonists within the sport actually agree with it and that philosophically without getting too high minded is quite problematic it is, but then if it affects everyone, then it's fine, isn't it? Because it evens itself out. Right. And I guess everything's people... complete <laughs> shit. But the good news is, it's shit for everyone. But people coming up through the sport, presumably, they'll be brainwashed by this VAR. Maybe they'll, they'll, they'll just it'll be used been, to it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, it'll be well, part of their lives the whole time. It's because it, it, cause it, yeah. it's something that was um, that was explained when it first 
when the specifically the penalty um you know, the way the review penalties was changed at the start of this Premier League season, because it had been in effect throughout Europe, one of the things they said was they noticed a change in behaviours of defenders in Italy, of defenders in mm. Germany. Uh, and it said, and they said, like, you know, it, it will happen over here. And I was a little bit worried by that because I feel like we're already meeting it more than halfway. And I think there was already an assumption that if we are going to make any changes going forward, we've kind of got to make it as a collective. We can't really do so as yeah. a league outright, yeah. certainly to my mind. Yeah. No, I think that's right. I, th- I think... Um... You know, I, I I wonder why Klopp kind of suddenly decided to say this now. I mean, was, there was talk of Conte piping up as well yesterday. Conte had a big row with Fabio Capello. Why do you reckon Conte was not in a good mood, eh? He's always in a bad mood, isn't he? Yeah, I know, but he's also... Always, always angry. Well, no, it's obvious why. <laughs> you know why. Everyone listening knows why. But I'm just saying, it, it feels to me a bit like this is a hill that the officials are going to die on come what may yeah. and you're right once you let the genie out the bottle very difficult to do anything I mean you, it's hard to get a consensus on a lot of things in football let alone something as important as this and if you're going to deviate I mean they already deviate slightly don't they between different leagues around Europe so it's it's difficult to get a, a full solution that's going to work for everyone Did we're going to have plenty more time to talk about lovely lovely VAR so it might be good to get on to the next yeah, in, up, in our future she, <laughs> she just saw you about to say something she's just like shut up Viv. unless <laughs> it's really amazing and preferably not on VAR <laughs> Well, no, she'll decide. <laughs> okay, well, two things: it's, it's not amazing. It's on VAR. Yeah. I didn't, right, I didn't, anyway, I didn't think Klopp was that pissed off, though. I thought he was quite. He's just I think doing was, a Mourinho. It's but just no, a, I don't even think that. I thought it was it's just quite a bit, hard to read. I thought it? he was a little bit annoyed. That like, why are we still here? Sorry, it's, we should have been. We should have been gone ten minutes ago. It's quite, he's, he's quite, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, Nine he, minutes of added time yeah, is yeah. difficult. Sorry, I meant what I meant to say. He's quite. He's quite transparent. Not hard to read. He's quite transparent when he. It's almost like he can't help himself. Right, Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So he's not very controlled, is he? And and you think and when it was all going really well last season, and we should, by the way, take time to remember that they had an astonishing start to the season last season. I mean, it was unprecedented. They just yeah, the won league game was after won game after, by yeah. this time last season. And so people have got a, maybe have got an opinion off based off that of Klopp more recently that like he's just this happy-go-lucky, smiley, cuddle guy. But when things aren't going quite so well, he's obviously pissed off about the injuries and the demands being placed on his players, and he's pissed off about VAR because. It, uh, yeah, I but also he's I guiding the conversation because, isn't he I personally think it's because they're stuck in the middle of Denmark <laughs> when they want to go home I want <laughs> us to end on a bit more like love for Denmark by the it's way a bit like, it's basically like when you when you get stuck in the departure lounge with your flight's delayed and you get pissed <laughs> off with a vending machine <laughs> There's not enough of a selection. There's nowhere else you can go. You're just stuck there. Perhaps somebody thought, I wanted to go to Noma. That's not even open. It was because they'd never conceded to a Danish side in the Champions League before Wednesday. Um, You know what I was saying about Michelin knowing how to party a while back? I remembered why it was. Because they beat Manchester United in the Europa League maybe 2016. Right. Yeah. And there was this amazing whole load of socials that went round of them dancing fucking amazingly in the dressing room afterwards. Like literally living it large. So in the end, it was a bit disappointing that they didn't get the big win that they, you know... Didn't they re- get pumped in the second leg or something? Yes, yes, but yeah. that was before that. Yeah, Fisher, yeah. Fisher remembers that. <laughs> the glory is... Give us, give us a little wink there. He <laughs> did. Not, not a problem. I was involved. They played me. <laughs> but you're speaking, of, speaking of players dancing around, I mean, did you see the, um, the, the, um, the tweet that went a little... Well, I think it went viral, really, of, of, of Kylian Mbappe trying to play basketball while waiting... During the PSG game, no, no, I haven't seen everyone that. Was, everyone was hammering him, saying, "No, everyone was saying his skills were rubbish." Oh come on, you, he's like pretty much one of the best footballers in the world. You don't have to you, also play basketball; it's a completely different kind of coordination. Mm. But, you, but, you, but it doesn't mean he shouldn't be ridiculed for being rubbish because he's too yeah. young, he's too good. Mm. Yeah. Mm. He tell um, Marcus tells a good story about when he 
uh, Ram- he had a Ramble Meets with Kevin Gallagher, who was in the Scottish, I think it was Kevin Gallagher, who was in the Scottish squad in the 98 World Cup against Brazil, and they opened the tournament. Yeah. And, yeah. and the um, and the opening ceremony overran, so they couldn't get on the pitch and warm up. Oh. So all the Scottish players were doing shuttle runs and doing their stretches in the um, in the corridor. And um, Kevin Gallagher said, run down the corridor, look through the little circular window into the next room, and the Brazilian players were all in there with the ghetto blasters just dancing. <laughs> <laughs> he was, like, oh, he was like, well, they're not proper professionals, so we'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they weren't fine. One of them scored, one of them scored nine goals. <laughs> At the Etihad, Man City beat Marseille 3-0. Uh, nine changes on the night for Pep Guardiola's side. Uh, Ferran Torres' fourth goal at the group stage to open things off and then open things off or up yeah. um, and Sergio Aguero coming off the bench to score within 10 minutes of his re- return some lovely stuff really for uh, Pep Guardiola Could you, was anyone else surprised that Marseille were still in a position to have European football I just feel like yeah. every time I look up they're just being dreadful or trying to make some sort of claim about retiring the number 10 in order to distract from <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, Vyas Boris is an itinerant chap, isn't he? So I think people are starting to think that he might be uh, ready, to, ready to move on. I mean, Guardiola didn't seem very happy. I mean, he seemed to be giving quite short answers to questions about Zach Steffen and uh, Aguero and the derby this weekend and whether Aguero was going to play. He just When he was asked about that, he just went, no. I mean, that's. I mean, I think that's that probably the right sense, answer, isn't it? it? All I'm saying is, when you're when you're doing these things, when you're covering dead rubbers in the Champions League as a journalist, Vish, learn from this, have a bit of fun with it, <laughs> ask some stupid questions. Do Look you... at the guy from Talksport asking Jose Mourinho if he'll follow him back so on Instagram. Dig out the moose. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and that's not even a euphemism. That's his actual name. <laughs> that could also have been uh, related to the fact that we learned this week that Edison really likes boxing and beating up his fellow teammates. So perhaps yeah. Pep Guardiola was worried that he had pissed him off. He's and not going to go at the big man though, is he? I, I mean, don't know. I mean, look at Edison and are you surprised that man likes violence? <laughs> no. I reckon all those tattoos, especially the one on his, the ones oh, on his neck, man. are... DIY jobs. <laughs> I reckon he's just he's watched a YouTube video, Jesus. and he's thought, you know, I could do that. I love smiley faces. I promise you, back in in Portsmouth, um, back in the early nineties, I'm telling you this now. There was a tattoo parlor, tattoo studio under the arches of the railway bridge as the rail as the train comes into Portsmouth Harbour Station, um, where you could go and obviously go and get tattoos. I'm ninety percent sure anyone. It was just a room for anyone to do a tattoo. <laughs> So maybe Edison went there. Well, hot desk. Yeah, if you've got your own, if you've got your own gear, do it in here. That's kind of a slogan. Especially if you've got yeah. your own gear, do it in here. So, like, just swallows on hands, cobwebs on elbows, yeah. and um, the old anchor. That's it. Maybe that's where Edison goes. Someone I know, um, him and his uh, best mate, have made a pact um, to get tattoos together, and my mate went first, and then my other mate, the other mate afterwards went, nah, I'm not getting it. Jesus Christ. He needs to learn this martial arts. <laughs> They're like not Edison. friends. They're not friends. Well, not anymore, I no. guess. No, not um, friends. Gabriel Jesus says that players are afraid of Edison in that respect, and Edison says, uh, it's respect, it's not fear. <laughs> <laughs> he can't, can't prove anything. Yeah, yeah. Can't prove anything. Sometimes I don't know how to control stuff strength very well and I end up exaggerating a little the guys Lenny from Mice have already oh my god the kitten is dead the guys have already complained that I punch too hard you've taken his head off the right right cross has power (laughs) (laughs) do you box much the right cross has got power like I like the way that he's made it passive that it has power it's like something outside of my body I don't imagine being control it imagine how much of an alpha you have to be to be an alpha in a top level professional football mm. dressing room. Oh. That's what I would say. 
You know, and 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 we talked earlier about Brazilian players just liking to have a dance. That's a stereotype. They also like martial arts. <laughs> yeah. They do, don't they? Yeah. Edison's yeah, obviously one of them. Yeah. Oh my God, he also put Yaya Toure in a chokehold. We played a lot. He's says, an old man. <laughs> says Edison, once in the locker room, we ended up catching each other and I put a rear naked choke on him. He was like, Ed, 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 stop, stop. I think he's too old. Age weighs a little. <laughs> Bloody eyes to dig as well. Yeah, I think I think a rear naked choke is just a move. Yeah, they're, they're not both naked. <laughs> yeah. well, they're, it's not like the James Beattie, Tony Poulos scenario. It's just that they were in the locker room. I mean, it could have been a rear naked naked choke. Could have done. Yeah. Could have been. I don't know what the edits or have been on this. A rear naked choke, brackets naked. naked. Yeah. yeah, a naked <laughs> rear naked choke, I guess, would have been how it would have gone anyway. Does anyone want to talk about I, the actual I, game? I, I want, no, not really. <laughs> I wanted to um, ask Vish if he had to, um, if he had to kind of take on one-on-one. <laughs> In, in, in the octagon, as I believe they call it, yeah. one of the Man City players, who would you choose? One of the children. <laughs> bull boy again. Yeah. Back to the bull boy. Yeah, I'll take on the bull boy. Yeah. That'll be his origin story. What about that kit man who likes dancing around in front of them and stuff? Oh, I yeah, think actually he's... he might have some moves. Probably, yeah. Because yeah, he's well, so, he you know, when you're so involved in the banter, I mean, some moves um, f- in terms of fighting. Imagine being felled by banter. <laughs> What's he good at? He's good at banter. Yeah. He'll take you, yeah. yeah. I feel as though that is how you fell people floor yourself, you, Fish. Floor you with a wry observation. Mm. That's, um, that's your modus. I reckon, keep... I, well, I was trying to think of... So are you going to cut Fish off now, Luke? No. Fish, say... stop being boring. You put, it, you put it in my head. I've I suddenly remembered the game. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you put it in my head that I've got to fight someone. Yeah. I, reckon, I reckon he'd hurt me and he might win, but you've got to fancy a chance against Raheem Sterling. No. Yeah, well, he's little. Figures footballers are hard. He's so powerful. Like, I know, he's seen you know, how powerful and he's very his hard. Arse is. Like he just—it always—it always yeah. makes me think about when you, you see journalists, particular types of journalists, not you, Vish, particular types of journalists, like oh, chipping no. off about players and like calling them out for being this, that, and the other. They, for example, I know it will be a sub-editor doing it, but occasionally, like someone in Fleet Street will call a player in quotes like a bottler or something like that. Yeah, and you know, having interviewed some footballers as you guys have, and and having known the occasional journalist. I know which side I'd back <laughs> because when you see a football player, they're just like granite. Yeah. They're like absolute yeah. granite. And I think Raheem Sterling would take yes. 20 seconds on you. Yeah. And that's it. Not even. Yeah. You yeah. might be able to floor him with a wry quip though, mate. To him, it would just be, to, to him, it would just be Tuesday. Yeah, it'd right. Just be, okay. It would just be an average day in the life. But anyway, anyway, <laughs> do you want to write to reply on that? No, I did start this point by saying that I know he could take me, but I, I, would, like, I would like to... But that's who you choose? Yeah. Well, he didn't play yesterday, did he? He came on, didn't he? He was getting ready for the big fight. He came on, yeah. I think. I think he came on. <laughs> Running scared. Was, yeah. um, but um, Andrew Villas-Boas gets a lot of uh, good press because um, of people like Andy Brussel, something absolutely clear, who absolutely loves him. Really? Um, he's done a good job at Marseille, hasn't he? But they've been they've mm. been poor in the Champions League this season. And when you said that they still had something to play for, they could have gone into the Europa, Europa League, League, right? Yeah, but they yeah, weren't yeah. able to do that. And it was obviously going to be difficult for them to do it because they're away at Man City. Yeah, they ended with three points, though. I mean, it's not a great yeah. return. Great for... Um, Full stop, I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Great for Aguero to uh, to get, get a goal, obviously. And Torres is kind of... Do you think, Vish, that Torres is... Um, sort of almost under the radar been quite impressive I don't think he's been under the radar because... I, I think I think if you walked down the street and asked 20 football fans who, who Ferran Torres was I don't think it, there would be anything like the recognition that you'd think I mean yeah he might not get a shout on Family Fortunes but... <laughs> no. is that even a show <laughs> yeah. still well it's one of the asked people in the street about around oh, oh, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Point, yeah. but no I think because he's been one of the few forward players who's been good for them I think if you if you look at how certainly the best way the City have done this year and it hasn't been a good start to the year for them you know, Cancelo has been someone who stood out as a player who is pretty incredible on both flanks. And, and Ferran Torres has been 
the exciting one, really, because they have been a bit too static up but front. He, but he's done his best work in the Champions League, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and internationally for Spain as mm. well. Yeah. So I think a lot of people are aware of what he's been capable of. And um, you know, I, I, you know, you mentioned Aguero there. That's someone who. You know, him coming back, I think it's only his second goal this season. I think he's only played five or six games this season as well, Aguero. Man City are a curious case this season because if, yeah. if, you, if, you, if you turn it back onto the Premier League, you look at um, bookmakers, they're still, I think, second favourites um, and they're still, people still have given them a huge chance but they've, they've got a lot of teams, and that's early on still, but they've got a lot of teams above them. You know, they've got a lot of, it's not just the points, remember, it's the teams you've got to overhaul as well and I think people are expecting them to properly hit their straps at some point. Mm. Um it's not quite happened yet. And as I've said repeatedly on the show this season so far, waiting for a team to stamp their authority on it. And it's not been Man City so far. So I think they're probably, on that basis, you know, you, you wonder what's going to happen um, over the next, you know, the critical Christmas period, really. Decent moment to strike, perhaps, mm. for Manchester United at the weekend. Well, God, Little George. God, no. <laughs> it's all right, Vish. We'll do that tomorrow. You're in tomorrow, so we'll cover Little George to Old Trafford on Saturday. <sighs> We shall see. Um, there's also plenty of, don't forget, all the detail on the European teams in On the Continent today. That's out later. There was a hat-trick from Neymar in the restarted PSG istanbul Basak Shahir game. Lovely uh, show of unity in that one. That finished 5-1. UEFA obviously investigating what happened on Tuesday night. Into some, yeah, as you mentioned, hmm. some extraordinary scenes and also some... some uh, irritation, let's say. So there'll be plenty of that for you on On the Continent. Dotton and Andy joined by Miguel Delaney. Lots and lots of topics this week. And also, I'm sure they'll talk about the sad loss of the great Paolo Rossi. Head over to Football Ramble Presents later or right now. You can pause this, get on it. Subscribe now and yeah. it drops in your phone. You can. You don't even need to pause this, really. You're laughing. You're laughing. You can just yeah. oh, In fact, we're about to get a break. So yeah, maybe do it, do it right now. <laughs> do it now. <laughs> I'm Martin Keown, and you're listening to Football Ramble. <laughs> yeah, maybe just one small bit of the Football Ramble. Right. I'm Martin Keown, and you're listening to the Football Ramble. I'm Martin Keown. Keown. <laughs> I really love kept that in. I feel so bad for him. Why? Have you heard his output? <laughs> oh, but- uh, I don't know what to say. Welcome back to the Football Ramble. I thought that was really impressive the way that he asked him to say it with the full title. That's, yeah. that's good journalism there from one of our <laughs> friends and colleagues. Now, guys, it's time for these. Yeah, as podcasting's most obnoxious jingle indicates, uh, it's now time for emails. And we've had one from Oliver Thornton Hale, who says, Dear Ramble, in these troubling times, it's important for us football fans to keep the sport alive locally. I live in Loughborough, where some of the locals have formed a small team so we can keep in contact with each other and the sport we love. It's great, that. I like to see that. I like to see a bit of light coming out of the darkness. Many of us being avid listeners to the show, it was a delight to find when going into training one day, uh, <laughs> I like the way he uses quotes for training. training. Um, he says more of just a loose kickabout. There are probably cans involved. Um, that the manager of the team had gotten his mum to sew the words fire in the belly, head in the freezer into all the tops where <laughs> oh, the logo would be. Oh, my goodness me. 
It has now almost become the slogan of the team, almost, disappointing, and we all sit around listening to the latest pods whenever we're training. Um, fantastic. Thank you for that, Oliver. Love to see an attached photo. We'll happily share it on social media yeah. to get that slogan off the ground properly. Um, I'm going to do a range of t-shirts and merch as well at some point, I think. <laughs> Maybe um, this guy's mum could do it. Sounds get like in she's touch. across this. Get in touch. If she's, yeah. if she's a whiz with the sewing machine, sounds good to me. There will be, of course, as I've already said, another edition of Luke's Game tomorrow where the man sat to my left um, will be defending his title against people's champion Marcus Speller. Oh, so. it's going to be so exciting, Robert. Yeah, send us also, we'd love to see a bit of footage of this training. Yeah, yeah. probably won't go for very long. We should all get tattoos of... Dan in Portsmouth, go to that yeah. place. Why don't you yeah. go first, Vish, and then... <laughs> No, <laughs> that's going to be burned that way. I've got an email from Will Phillips. Hello, Ramblers. Back when I was around eight years old, my dad used to get quite posh tickets through work to go to Old Trafford. As one of the very few children in these well-to-do areas, amongst a sea of what Roy Keane would describe as the prawn sandwich brigade. <laughs> just going to interject here. Nothing yeah. wrong with prawn sandwiches. Let no. me just say that. Presumably Oliver Thornton Hale would have been there, based on that name. <laughs> I often got quite favourable treatment from the staff and former players. At a midweek Champions League game, a man approached me, hold on, gave me a jovial jab in the stomach and asked if I'd like to go and meet a special guest. Oh my God, what is this? I was then led to the front of an unbelievably long queue of waiting people to a man sat down signing autographs. My guide introduced me and then got this man to sign my programme. I returned to my dad, who with pride in his eyes asked, so how was that? My reply, well, I like the first old man much more than the second. (laughs) Years later, I learned the first old man was storming Norman Whiteside and the second was the late great Eusebio. Wow. Youth is wasted on the young. It It really is. is, It is. And, I mean, Eusebio is an absolute legend in the house I I grew up in. Hushed tones about how great a player he was and all the rest of it. Storming Norman, though. Can't knock it. And the song, the killers named the song after him, didn't they? I did. No, so you can't can't argue with that. Um, It's quite funny when you think of um, being that young and meeting someone so like so that signifies such a lot, and it's kind of wasted. It's it's really interesting. Have you ever met anyone famous, Kate? Never in my life. Nah, exactly. See, don't remember it. I um I met uh, (laughs) uh, Rory Bremner. And he, and, and he's the ultimate famous person. He's the most famous person you can meet because he can do impressions of all the famous people in the world. That's really. all you need. Yeah. Just need he's one. like a Swiss pocket knife as a celebrity. Who isn't have you he? met everyone? Well, <laughs> I met Rory Bremner once. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> my, what was his standout for you? My, my, my dad introduced me to him because his son went to my school as well. And I was about six or seven at the time. And I obviously had no idea who he was. And my dad introduced me to him because he was like, oh, he's a funny man, you should meet him. And. Um, I was like, oh, what do you do? And he he went, oh, I, I do impressions. And I was like, <laughs> and I just went, of who? <laughs> and my dad was like, that's enough now. Let's, let's take you back. So, yeah. so one thing that is fascinating, I've met, I reckon I've met three celebrity impressionists in my various work and that none of them can communicate apart from through impressions. They do them all the time. Uh, so they just do them. It's like method acting. Yeah. They, they, it's, I think it's the way that they express themselves. Wow. Have you met, so like Jim's not like this, which is refreshing, but the, <laughs> I've met a few, but I've met a few yeah. comedians who don't laugh. Right. Who like just can't laugh at other people's jokes. Like it's a commodity that they no, I, I think, too I think you're, to you're, you're, you're just not very funny, man. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> no, it is, but I'm a comedian, so I don't laugh at other people's jokes. <laughs> 
<laughs> They've done you there, mate. You will have a look at that. <laughs> He's so straight. Yeah. Yeah. All right, mate. We well, think you're funny, though. Yeah. We're just, but we're not in the profession, I guess. No. Shout out to Will Phillips, though, for meeting uh, Eusebio. That's great. I'm very oh, jealous of that. Man. And he can reflect on it anyway, can't he? And that's the main thing. It's like when um, we went to. He can reflect. That's a great story to tell. We, we went to. <laughs> in a think... sense, he dissed Eusebio, is what we're getting from this. I don't think Eusebio would have noticed. No. It's fine. Um, when, for me. Pete, Jim and Marcus went to a semi-final at Wembley Stadium once. Uh, it was Liverpool, I think it was Liverpool-Everton. And uh, we got separated into twos. I can't remember who I was with. I think I might have been with Pete on one side and Marcus and Jim around the other side. Is that in case you fought? Probably, yeah. And we got... And we, and you got <laughs> Bookends. You got, to put, you, got to put, you got to put in this little little place where you could have a bit of food and stuff. And there was there were ex-footballers in there. Corn sandwiches? And, and I can't remember, probably. And... Um, we met someone completely underwhelming. I forget what it, it might have even been. It might have even been Martin Keown. It might have been. Guess who they got the other side? Claudio fucking Canidia. Stop. A legend of the South American game. A legend of World Cup 90. Fuming. I can't believe you've forgotten who the underwhelming That's how bad it was. That is how bad yeah. it was. Yeah. Also the idea that you go, sorry, can we? Can someone take this back? Can we get something else? <laughs> but we didn't know. In your corporates. <laughs> we didn't know they had Canidia. We didn't know until after. We assumed it would be shit on that side as well. If you've ever met anyone really underwhelming in yeah. football, email us, show at footballramble.com or tweet at footballramble. Another example, like when John Jensen told my friend when he was about eight years old to fuck off. You know, it's a great story. <laughs> Do we tell What is this telling children to fuck off thing? Hmm. It's very unusual. Ask John Jensen. Okay. Could have done it last night, he might have been at the game. Yeah, yeah. One for a ramble meets, maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. get your mate to do it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Lock the door. I've been waiting for this moment all my life. John. <laughs> Fuck off. That's yeah. it. Like a shit man, they're taken. <laughs> Thanks for coming in today. Let's get you settled down. Let's test the mic, shall we? Yeah. Fuck, Fuck off. off. Yeah. Beautiful. Anyway. Anyway, let's talk about Sheffield United, shall we, guys? I think they deserve a bit of. Um, Support. Yeah, maybe they do. Well, look, I mean, uh, Finn, who's assistant producer for, for today and, and for every day, in fact, he's a big Sheffield United fan. And I yeah. said, um, Finn, I mean, it's be interesting to talk about Sheffield United today because they're quite, a, you know, quite a, a interesting story based on what I've done this year and what I've done last year. Um, and I said, just put a couple of bullet points in the running order <laughs> about how bad they are. And he's done seven. Of what? how shit they are. Why? So. Yeah, and why, how is the running order, you know, damp from tears? It's, like, more, it's more of a therapy it's session It's a digital yeah. copy. I don't anyway, know. Finn feels much better getting it off his chest. So, uh, I, I yeah. think that's really important. But they, they've had the worst start of any team in the Premier League. And, and part of the reason I wanted to bring them to the table today uh, is because... Um, or wanted us to bring him to the table today. I think that's going under the radar. We're going to talk about things that are under the radar, Vish. You won't give me Ferran Torres. Will you give me no. Sheffield United having the worst start of any team in the Premier League era? Because it's not been spoken about that much. I, th- I mean, I think it has been spoken Am about. I just not reading the news? <laughs> yeah, like, where have you been? So, wait, if you, so there's this thing, the Premier League table. I know it doesn't right. really exist until Christmas because does it really count? But if no, you it's look like a mirage at it, until it's like the Wizard of Oz. It doesn't count, yeah. yeah. And, and, but if you look at it, Sheffield United, they've got literally, to quote Jamie Randall, they've got literally one point. Very out of character for you, Kate, to be paying attention to the league table. Class, why that is? Yeah. 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 Vested yeah. interest What's at all? Yeah. I don't, actually, it's hard for me to look that far down it, to be honest. But, yeah. um, really? but you know where that part of the table is, though, don't you? I know yeah. where it is. Yeah. She can enjoy that d- trophy they give out in December. Well, <laughs> yeah. I, I like to keep the track Scottish of... League Cup. <laughs> <laughs> I like to keep track of Jim's team. So I, yeah, just yeah, exactly. I just occasionally glance down anyway. Um, yes, one point. Yeah, um, I, I think, I, uh, to be fair, I don't think you're wrong there because I, th- I think what a lot of people have seen in Sheffield United's form 
um, and specifically in the matches, is that they've played very similarly in, in patches to how they played last season. And I think because we already regarded this season as a bit of an anomaly before it even started, really, yeah. and I suppose especially so at the start with all those freak results, I think we all kind of assumed anyway that we would regress to some kind of normality. And we saw that a little bit with the way that Everton and Aston Villa dropped off. We're kind of seeing it now in the way that Manchester City and I suppose slightly further above them, Liverpool are coming back as well. But we haven't really seen that specifically in Sheffield United because even Fulham have enjoyed a little bit of a of an upturn. Um, I think Fulham are the ones who've got all the attention. Three or four weeks ago, because well, they they were they were dreadful. Yeah, but, but people but, were saying but, that they might not ever win it, win a game all season. Or yeah, so, so yeah, that's that's, that's what I'm saying. That's why I think you, you are right because I think people thought that Sheffield United would correct themselves, and it hasn't come to pass. Right. Mm. Because we're at a stage now where I think only Newcastle and Burnley have shot fewer times in them in, in the Premier League altogether so and, far. And even though shots aren't going, I mean, look, Michael Cox did a piece in the on the XG stat and, yeah. and, 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 you know, XG is an interesting piece of uh, information because across a longer period, it's very indicative. And I think if people, I, I don't want to kind of jump on people who are criticising XG because, you know, that's, that's a different discussion. But if you just look at one game or the occasional game on XG, it's not really going to tell you much because, you know, it's, it's more of a trend situation. And the trend Michael Cox was arguing I don't know why I keep using his full name. Uh, was you, it's like it's, it's like, like Solly Mark. It's like Rob Lee. <laughs> Solly Mark yeah. or Rob Lee. No one just says Lee, do they? Yeah. Rob Lee. Um, it, it, across a, the, the season, I think Sheffield United have massively underperformed on what they would have expected to score. So it's not yeah. only the fact that they're not shooting much; they're not taking those chances either. They scored five goals in the league this season. I think XG has them down at about twelve, scoring twelve overall. I don't know what that would mean in terms of their points, but you'd think that you know an extra seven goals over doubling their goal tally would give them a few points as well, and they'd be right in the mix down the bottom. So the problem is though, Vish, when you get onto that and you start you start then having to think about the character of the players and the confidence and how much they can go on to achieve if everything they do just comes back to bite them, particularly in light of that Leicester game, which is an absolute sickener. Oh, and Chris Wilder looked like he was out of ideas or sounded like he was out of ideas after that game. I can't remember the exact quote, but it was it was pretty bleak, you know? Yeah. Is it so are you is the point you're making that there aren't structural issues, there's just effectively it's unlucky, like the chances aren't being converted. Because one of the things that strikes me is that they have actually spent money. They've spent over £110 million exactly. pounds since arriving That's in the Premier League. Yeah. Chris Ward has made some interesting and, and like good, exciting signings. For example, Aaron Ramsdale, Jaden Bogle, Max Lowe, Oliver Burke, Rian Brewster, all like great signings and the looks of things. But let's not forget, because they're talented, because they're young... But on the other hand, you know, they're all 23 or under. They're talented and young. Will they come together to form a coherent side? And do they have that kind of um, experience yeah. to dig in when, when they're struggling? Yeah, that's spot on because um, I, I did a piece on West Brom at the start of this season where they, um, you know, I spoke to some people at the club and one of the things they were looking at with their recruitment was that they realised they needed a bit more energy so they were going to get younger players in. Mm. Um, and obviously, all those players you mentioned are all under 23 as well that Sheffield United have brought in. And if you remember Sheffield United of last season when they were doing things well, they were a little bit all over you, really. There was, a, there was an element of Leeds United to them, weren't there? Yes. In that they had someone in, in David McGoldrick who wasn't necessarily scoring... Well, he wasn't scoring the goals, but he was someone who you could rely on his touch and you could rely on his position. So you could work around him really, even though he was quite far forward. It was, and it seemed to work for them. And obviously Lundstrom scoring the goals that he did and scoring some important goals played a huge part in that. But the thing you're going to get with youngsters is they're not going to be hardened to certain aspects of league football, of which fighting against relegation, coming out of a rut such as that 
is one of them and they'll get that they're getting that experience now but you know what is that quote they say well, about experience it's something you get right after you need it yeah so, exactly and, and I think um, I would I would probably highlight Oliver Norwood as a player in, in if you're going to take it in microcosm because you look at him mm. I think you know up until last season where he featured in every game and was really important for them and whenever I saw him he, he, he was decent um, or sometimes even better than decent up until that season his best work was done in the championship, right? So I remember him when he was at Reading, he was absolutely outstanding. One of the best players in the championship at the time. Yeah, he's done a lot of his best work in the second tier. But he comes in, obviously they get promoted. He plays really well in the Premier League last season. And he's not really done much this season. He's, he's been in and out of the team. His form's been poor. And I wonder whether, obviously it's too simplistic to say it's just down to him, but that might be an example in microcosm of, of what's starting to go wrong for them. And also they don't, they've not been anywhere near as settled with their, with their backline either. Yeah. That, they've, they've shuffled that around. But I, I still don't think that is indicative of why they've been quite this bad. I think they've also been a bit unlucky as well. And I said about four or five games on the show, I said, I, I, I wouldn't be worried about them just yet. But obviously now you get into the point where you're thinking, can is it possible to to move from one point? They need they basically need to pick up what 33, 34 points <laughs> in their last however many games. Tw- but there's only twenty two. Yeah. Oh, sorry, about, twenty-seven games left. So it's a big turnaround. They've got to win games that they're not expected to win, basically. Basically, yeah. Which and is the a problem tough is situation to be when in. it turns into a trend, doesn't it? And Chris Wilder, like you say, if he seems a bit out of ideas, how's he going to arrest that? Um, you mentioned uh, the Leicester last minute Leicester win against Sheffield United um, something sort of quite sweet has come out of that because Jamie Vardy you know how he quite often sort of slides Hang into on. the corner sweet and Jamie Vardy yes unless it's Red Bull there's no such thing as sweet with Jamie Vardy oh, oh that's Skittles vodka yeah, that's true, actually. That's <laughs> one. yeah that's another one and he sort of sl- slide tackled the um, the corner flag as he quite yeah. often does the and optics he... of that were quite poor weren't they well I guess but only if you've never seen Jamie Vardy celebrate the, uh, a, a, a goal as in the pride it had, flag on it yeah because so it's Rainbow Lace is weak uh, yeah. this week and the idea is just to you know try and help people from the LBGT community plus community feel more f- welcome in football mm. um, and so they've got yeah the, the flag on the corner flags um, and the colours and people wearing rainbow laces and anyway Jamie Vardy slid into the flag as he often does but then on Twitter and all these people started mouthing off oh it's because he hates gay people or whatever I mean, even for Twitter it's just even if no one's seen Twitter. him do that before or because they've what, never watched a, anyway yeah, so but I, the, even, even if they haven't the very idea that a football player is going to go right I'm pissed off about those corner flags <laughs> in the middle of a game in the middle of a game <laughs> I'm going to kick the shit out of one <laughs> it's not going to happen is it anyway he did demolish it they, it snapped like it was shattered, amazing didn't I mean, it it's what, kind of bizarre one thing it, I would say about it is he did it properly yeah but I'm also concerned yeah, about how yeah. I'm it, also concerned about how corner flags are made these days. I don't think they can be that solid because they're dangerous. Imagine if you ran into a, like a robust tree trunk of a yeah, but you don't flag. want it. You don't want it shattering. You want whatever the equivalent is of non-shattered glass, right? That exists. There was a guy so snaps, but I know what you mean. Pff. Yeah, because those sharp those shafts oh. can be quite sharp. Yeah, there was a guy um, at my university who's who, a rugby player, obviously who. Drag his own piss? <laughs> yeah, yes, but that's not the story I'm going to say. He, he Shatting someone else's shoe. Dirty points for now. fun. That's enough now, both of you. He, he tackled... Passed it backwards. He, he, yeah, yeah. Turned yeah, up to lectures in a blazer. You have to, yeah. That's a bit rich. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he tackled a hedge, right? As a bit of banter, in quotes, when he was drunk, and a big metal... Spike a pole in the no. middle of it oh, broke, and broke his shoulder and it kind of put me in mind of that because Vardy did properly shatter the flag and you, but you, 
you don't want them to be made of anything other than breakable material, right? Because otherwise it's going to be dangerous. Yeah, fair he enough. shouldn't be doing that. Should that be a yellow cardfish? Slap in the corner flag. Yeah. Um, it was the damaged property, isn't it? It was the yellow. Oh, you got a yellow card. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. You got a yellow card for it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Is that ungentlemanly conduct? Overzealous celebration. Oh, oh yeah. Fair. Forget far. <laughs> uh, that's the. That's the uh, forget var. That's the law I want out as quick as possible. <laughs> Like you can't be too overzealous. The only thing you should get booked for is planning a celebration. No, I, uh, I ain't got a problem enough. with that. No, when, the, no. when the Icelandic team kept doing all those wacky ones, when it crosses over into wackiness, that should be a yellow so card. So you pro the US national team celebrating their 11th goal in the 13-0 against Thailand? Yeah. Oh, you are? Yeah. Oh, right. You just think you've got to celebrate every goal like so, it's your last. There's first. Not, there's nothing wrong with, there was nothing wrong with the American-Thailand thing. No, okay. I don't think so. It's not their fault. No. Is it? I mean, if you go and right up into people's faces, then that's probably a little bit different. That'd but celebrating it's fine. I just think I think a referee should be able to make a decision and say, you've crossed over into wackiness there. The yellow card is for wackiness. And put that in the laws of the game. Wackiness. I'll, I'll see VAR. I'll, I'll do VAR with that. Let's look at it again, see if it was too wacky. I'm <laughs> fine with that. Overzealous? No. Do, be as zealous as you want. Aspria with the corner flag and the shirt over the over the. I fans. love that. Yeah. I love that. Fine. Yeah. Okay. The thing is, though, We're supposed you... to be enjoying ourselves. We are. It's yeah. supposed to be enjoying ourselves. One of the things you need to remember though is when you slow it down everything looks wacky <laughs> that's true yeah, that's you true. watch like a thousand times you're seeing wackiness everywhere yeah exactly uh, what, what I would say about the Vardy thing I thought I haven't he... actually said what he did by the way he signed the flag Sorry, afterwards yes. and then sent it Fox's to Fox's pride on it Fox's yeah. pride yeah. yeah keep up the good work he, he said and signed yeah. it with his name so um, yeah it's a sort of symbol of their relationship yeah. his relationship with the community and a quite a nice thing to do yeah. with a broken flag he didn't want that to go public actually but uh, Rebecca Vardy Instagrammed it <laughs> Colleen Rooney Instagrammed it, surely. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Do you want to say something, Yeah, no, I, th- I thought it was, uh, like, I totally agree with you. Like, it was it was definitely like a mountain out of a molehill. But at the same time, it was just like quite a nice thing to come off the back of it. Especially, yeah. you know, it's only a week, isn't it? Or however long it is. Turned it's, it around. It's quite an important scheme because mm. I think, um, yeah, like having someone like Jamie Vardy aligned to it isn't actually a, a bad thing because I think people have these assumptions about. Jamie Vardy's personality, kind of grounded in some of the stories we hear of him and what he puts across of himself. And it's quite nice that he's involved in in quite a a noticeable way. Maybe the Skittles vodka was actually a Fox's Pride thing. Rainbow rainbow vodka, yeah. Beautiful. I think Vish is trying to say that Jamie Vardy's a basic bitch. No, I'm trying to say that if you Google Jamie Vardy and some of the things he's done socially, you'd wonder if he was of that mind. But this is quite a... Who's the, who, who's the most basic bitch in football? <laughs> Present company excluded, obviously. <laughs> who's the most basic bitch in if football? If we're not in football. I'll need, I'll need to think about that because I, I, what constitutes a basic bitch? Um, just um, l- live, love, laugh. Um, thing on the wall at the oh, house. Yeah. Within all footballers. <laughs> Fish, you're back tomorrow. So I yeah. think you should give this some I thought. Think about it. I think you should give this some thought overnight and come back and tell us who is the most, tell Luke, in fact. Yeah. Before... Just tell me at the workshop if you want. Well, yeah. Kate, Kate, won't, Kate won't be here tomorrow. So no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, tonight in the Europa League, Celtic up against Lille, Leicester versus Ike, Athens, Lech Poznan, Rangers, Dundalk, Arsenal, nice one, and Spurs against Antwerp. Those are the key ones yeah. you'll be looking out for tomorrow. It is, of course, you, Vish, you, Luke, and Marcus in the hot seat. Yeah. Before we go, can I just say, uh, I take no pride in saying this. I've got no beef with either team, but it would be absolutely fucking amazing if Dundalk beat Arsenal tonight. <laughs> Let's all get behind that. <laughs> all right. We've got to get behind that. We're out of here getting behind Dundalk. Say goodbye, guys. Say bye, Luke. Goodbye. Bye, Vish. Bye. Bye, everybody. See you next time. 
This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network.